It's Incredible Got Time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to get into our Bible study. Before we do, as always, we have text messages, we have questions for the quiz, we have things that we need to talk about. Let's get into it. Lawson. All right. This is a multiple choice. It is, the question is, which of the following books appear first in the Bible? First Chronicles, First Kings, First Samuel, or Ezra. 0491-064-669 is the number to call a text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you'll go into the draw to win our amazing KJV leather Bible with Mark Finley's study helps. It is awesome, incredible. We'll give it to you absolutely free. All you have to do is answer the question correctly, which is, again, a multiple choice. Which of the following books appears first in the Bible? A, First Chronicles. B, First Kings. C, First Samuel. Or D, Ezra. All right. If you know the answer, the number to call is 0491-064-669. We also want to encourage all of the kids, all of the children that play the quiz. We've had a few. We just had a new one that called mm-hmm. through. Um, super exciting for us. But if you're a kid out there on your way to school or whatever this morning, then borrow a phone, give us a call, shoot us a text message, send your answer through. We would love to hear from you. This is one of the best ways for you to start your day, uh, particularly as your school might be about to begin. And I remember, now, I, I went to a Christian school growing up, but I didn't grow up Christian. And I remember being thoroughly impressed when I was at a Christian school, like, later in my life. I was there, I was going to speak at their chapel, and all the primary school kids got up and recited every book of the Bible in order. Genesis, Exodus. <coughs> yeah, all 66. The program is right, right there. <laughs> That's awkward. Uh, <laughs> I don't know the books of the Bible, no. They, they got up and recited all 66, so they would know the answer to this question. Yes, they would. So I, I trust it that you know 0491 Fantastic. All right. Let's get into text messages, see what you had to say. This is one that came through yesterday, Lawson. Ah. Uh, For you, though. Ah. Uh, this is Hope Lawson Recovers Well. Uh, I'm feeling those injuries uh, Lawson keeps having. Uh, messages. Maybe time to coach. <laughs> There's another one here somewhere. Uh, I could okay, cheerlead. Yeah, another one. Another one. Oh, somebody sent a photo of their foot. Oh, wow. Yeah, look at this. It's our foot right there. Ooh. Yes, a foot. Good morning, blessings. Lawson's, I know the pain, brother. I rolled my ankle in April, two and a half months, not being able to run. Mm. There you go, Lawson. You're going to be down for a while. Oof. Better yeah, get that yeah, wheelchair out. <laughs> uh, give it a rub down with turmeric, cayenne pepper, and comfrey oil paste. I can absolutely attest to that. It is the weirdest thing you think. Why would this have any effect on something that is in the middle of my foot when all I'm doing is putting it on my skin? But it is absolutely powerful. It is amazing. I don't know what it does, but it really works. Uh, I used it once when I broke my foot, dropped a gearbox on it. That hurt. Oof. Um, And then they say cycling is good. So they've recommended cycling once your foot starts to get better. Then we go over here. And, uh, oh, we have another recommendation. Mm -hmm. uh, What have we had recommended so far? I recommended chess. Mm -hmm. Somebody else recommended cycling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raphael recommends knitting. Knitting, knitting, new sport for Lawson. Knitting. No, but guys, like the point is, so I'm, I'm thinking I want a, I want a jumper. You know, a new jumper. I, I want to heal no, my I'm, ankle. I'm, I, I don't want to be bogged down in the world of knitting. Okay, it's just not my thing. But knitting would be good. I mean, it, I guess it's a useful skill. Like you, you can make yourself a jumper, make you yourself make socks, money. make yourself a beanie, make yourself a scarf, make money. Make money? Yeah. 
Yeah. Or if I become a good enough pastor. Nah, just kidding. I'm too short. (laughs) (laughs) I will never be a good enough basketball player to make any money from basketball. All right. Uh, Another text message here. Two million students leave the public school system. That Mm. has to be good. The students get to live a bit longer. No wrong ideology. Peace of mind and safety. Mm. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Then we have here churches splitting. That's a good thing. Separate from Babylon. The Bible does say that, doesn't it? Come out from um, come. Uh, Babylon is fallen. Come out of her, my people. That's what the Bible says in Revelation eighteen verse four. But it could be done without going to the courts. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, human nature, pride, hate, and lack of Christian love will do everything to have it your way at all costs. It doesn't care for the truth. Care for the truth or the destruction of souls. Mm. And unfortunately, that is what we are seeing taking place here. And you do think about those congregations that will be left without a a home to worship in, without a building Mm. to worship in. They're going to be looking for temporary premises. They're going to be renting somewhere. Meanwhile, the building that they were worshipping in will be left empty. Mm. It is kind of bizarre. You know, mm. at least at le- the very least they could do is like figure out some kind of nominal rent. That way, the owner of the property is getting some return on their investment. They're getting their costs covered. The uh, new tenants uh, ha- have a-, a place to worship. They have a home, and it's just better all round for the cause of God. Mm. And I think the last thing on people's minds in these situations is the cause of God. Yeah, which is incredibly unfortunate. We bring the word of God into disrepute uh, with these kinds of actions. Oh, also, shout out, I I got a text in from my friend. He was listening to the show. In Arkansas? In Arkansas. And uh, he was like, oh, what happened to your ankle? I'm like, I'm going to talk about it. And then I talked about it, and then he just sent me the emoji of the person doing a face palm. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. And he's like, get well soon, bro. And then we had a good conversation, but... (laughs) Ah, that's what happened. I was like, yeah. It's kind of been building up to it, though, because I think every time you've rolled your ankle, you've probably made it a little bit weaker without even realizing. That's right. And I tried to take the steps of like, oh, I don't need to treat this. Like, I'll treat it as in like, I'll do some stretching and just go and play next week. But obviously, that didn't solve my problem. So now, now I'm a bit out of action. Yeah. How long you reckon? Um, I'm thinking a year, maybe three, maybe three. Maybe I'll cut my foot off. They could do. They could do. <laughs> Amputate your foot at the neck. Um, <laughs> at the- <laughs> that would solve the problem. Oh. <laughs> have no pain after that. Lyle wants <laughs> Lyle wants to commit medical homicide. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Psalms chapter 145. Oh, nice. This is going, we're going to look at the whole psalm. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to look for here is the reasons that David gives for praising God. So today's Mm. Bible study is about praise. One of the things about being in the crucible, one of the most effective things that you can do when you're in the crucible is to praise God. Mm -hmm. And so if you think of some examples of that, probably the the classic one is Paul and Silas Mm -hmm. in the prison in Philippi. They have been beaten. Their backs are absolutely shredded, so they can't lay down on their backs. Mm. They've got their feet in the stocks, so they can't roll over and lay down on their stomach. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they don't have the uh, back strength to be able to stay sitting up because their back muscles have been shredded. <laughs> uh, yeah, yikes. What, that's a really what, – what do you do? What do you do in that kind mm. of a situation? 
Ah. And so what does the Bible say that they did? Well, they're kind of sitting up, singing. Yeah. They're singing praises. That's like that's like one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. Like I I, I really rank it and rate it so highly. Like these guys go into this place that is unchurched trying to share the gospel and get absolutely destroyed. But the seeds of that situation was you know, coming out of it, they they establish a church in Philippi. Praise right. God! But they probably established several churches in Philippi. But in that moment where they are just in total agony and pain, it's like you, you could you could have so much license to feel sorry for yourself. You know, I, particularly I, particularly considering that what was done to them was highly illegal mm. and could get the rulers of the city. In a lot of hot water. Yeah. Because the rulers of the city had gone, oh, these are Jewish people who just beat them and throw them in the stocks and throw them in jail. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much uh, all that took place here. They didn't stop to ask, you guys by any chance have Roman citizenship? <laughs> and because they didn't stop to ask that question, they have now committed a very, very grievous offence against the Roman Empire. Mm an offence that could land them in a lot of hot water, a lot more hot water than what Paul and Silas are in. Yeah, their their lives are on the line for this, basically. Yes, And that's why we see later they try to hush them out of the city, you know. They're like, just can you just live quietly? And Paul's like, um, no. (laughs) Like, Paul (laughs) takes perfect advantage of the situation to be able to then, you know, share the gospel. But I think that, like, yeah, in, in that moment, I think of Silas as well going along on the ministry journey with Paul, being mentored, and for the both of them, they're just singing and praising God. Yes. You know, we've done missionary journeys to remote parts of the world or obscure parts of the world and never had to do anything like this. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. Yes, absolutely. We'd love to hear from you guys. Share your thoughts about The Breakfast Show here this morning. And the Bible study that we're looking into, we've been discussing this situation of Paul and Silas and how they were praising God while they were in absolute pain and in agony mm. and unjustly. Mm. You know, the the emotional toll that it takes when something illegal, like highly illegal, is done to you. And what was it that had caused this? They had done a good deed. They had healed somebody with a mental illness mm-hmm. and uh, somebody who had been demon-possessed, they'd performed this healing and this is what why they end up in, you know, being beaten up. You would think it's really unjust to be beaten up mm. for doing a good thing for somebody. It's really unjust to be in prison right now. It's really unjust that they didn't stop and ask whether we were Roman citizens. You know, you mm. can go down through the list and see you could be feeling very sorry for yourself Emotionally, at the same time, you could be feeling very sorry for yourself physically, mm. and they're just not. Mm. They're just like, well, we're not going to sleep tonight, so let's sing instead. Mm. I don't know about you, but there's been times when I've been ill and haven't been able to sleep, you know, head cold or the flu, whatever it might be, and I lay in bed like feeling super sorry for myself. Dude, that's the watching like. Watching the hours go by building a pile of used tissues in a bowl beside the bed. That's a, like a, a Lord just take me now moment. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's that point, there's that crossover point where you are um, afraid that you are going to die mm. and then you reach the point where you're afraid you're not. 
<laughs> totally. Uh, not seriously, I've not been there. Um, I've not been that ill ever. Mm-hmm. Praise God. And uh, But, you know, you, you go through these kinds of experiences and it's like I have never, I have never just felt like praising God. Mm. And yet that's a challenge for you right there. Okay, so the life of praise is what we're talking about. And Psalms 145 is a psalm that gives us lots and lots of reasons uh, to to, uh, to to praise people. Mm. Oh, sorry, to praise God. <laughs> yeah, to praise, praise God. To praise God. Uh-huh. And so here's, here's something to keep in mind. Let's say that you want to pray a praise prayer. We do too, too little of this. We, te- we, do teach, we do treat God like Father Christmas, and typically our prayers are please this, please that, please the other, please give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, mm-hmm. give me, give me, and they might not be bad things that you're asking for, but we never stop to actually praise God. And sometimes you say, mm-hmm. well, you need to stop and spend some time praising God. It's like, okay. And then our minds go blank, which is probably a reflection of our connection with God. Mm. But if your mind goes blank on things that you can praise God for, Psalms 145 gives you a long mm. list. Uh, I went through this and counted 24 reasons that David gives, wondering how many you can count. And 24 reasons in 21 verses. 24 reasons in 21 verses. A bunch of those verses that have no reasons, mm. like the early verses have no reasons why you should praise God. But then a bunch of them after that will give you double reasons in mm. a verse. Mm-hmm. Bang, 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 mm. bang. Just popping them out. Mm-hmm. All right, so why don't you read for us the first three verses there, please, Lawson. It says, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Okay. Here we are. In, well, the first two verses there, does it give us any reasons to praise God? No, it just says he will. It says a lot of things about praising God doesn't give you any reasons. The third verse gives you a reason. It says no one can measure his greatness. So he's so great and mighty. Absolutely. Okay, so what I want you to do is to follow along. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalms 145 Mm -hmm. if you are not driving at this particular point and if you are not operating in expensive machinery. (laughs) uh, If you're at home by yourself, Psalms 145, head over there and let's have a look at it together because I want you to pick up. I, I probably missed some as I went through it. I want you to see if you can find some that I missed. We don't want to miss out any reasons here for why we should praise mm. God. The first one is given because of his greatness. Mm. Let's continue on and then we'll come back and talk about some of these. Um, and your translation there, Lawson, is a little bit different from mine, so you might mm-hmm. have some slightly different words. But mm-hmm. Okay, read verse three for me again. It says, Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Okay. I think that's. I think that lines up pretty close to mine. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, somebody calling through right now. We've got Bruce on the phone. Bruce, welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about Silas and Paul in the dungeon, and what I really believe the reason they were the way they were is because of humility. Now, just before, well, a while before that, but before this trip, he had an argument with Barnabas about Mark, and they separated. He took Silas, and Mark took John Mark. They went their different ways. And I believe the Holy Spirit would have convicted Paul that he was in the wrong. Yes. And, um, and, and so I believe he was then in a humble spirit. And we notice he's going certain place. I don't know where it was he was going to go, but he gets this vision about coming over to Macedonia, you know? That's right. And not to where, not to where he wanted to go. So 
lo and behold, he, he follows this um, vision, you know. And, um, and I really believe then he was really open to the Lord. He could see the Lord was leading. He was humble in a humble spirit because of that, you know, realized his own sinfulness. And everything that happened, he's seen was God's will. And he didn't, he didn't do anything about it. He just went along with it, you know. And look what happened. Lydia got converted and the whole family. And then the jailer got converted and his whole family. And so all because he was humbled and he was allowing God to lead. Now, he had another experience later on when he went, he wanted to go to Jerusalem. And he was, the, and that was his own will. He was told by the brethren, oh, don't go, don't go. Even Agabus, the prophet, said, don't go. You're only going to be tied up, given to the Gentiles. But he was so determined to go. Mm. And he goes in his own determination. And what does he do? He compromises. And then he's nearly killed. And then he's, the Romans just save him, you know. But what did he do? Then he said, I'm a Roman citizen. You can't flog me. Whereas the other one, he allowed them to be flogged. See the difference in the spirit. It's a and very interesting, so, very interesting observation. Yeah, and so for two years then, he was in jail, and he didn't convert anybody. Even Felix said, oh, you just about convert me, but you don't, you know? Mm. And so I believe then, Paul, after that experience, was really humbled again. God showing him, you know? And so then, after then, when he goes to Rome, he's really humble, and that's when he writes a lot of the gospel. Because it- he's in prison, and he's in a humble attitude, and God can teach him then, speak to him, speak it's to a- him. Yeah, it's a really interesting observation as to how, you know, we as human beings, and often we look up to, you know, these great men of the Bible, and Paul was one of the most influential writers uh, within Christianity. It's it's interesting to see, you know, people like both Paul and Peter and see their weaknesses and their flaws mm-hmm. come through. Often we look at them like, oh, wouldn't we love to be like them because, you know, they were free from temptation and sin. Well, no, actually they weren't free from it and they did fall into it and they also, you know, it's also freely recorded for us in the mm-hmm. Bible so that we can learn from it. Bruce, you've raised some really good points there about humility and I've never actually considered the contrast between the experience in Philippi with the experience in Jerusalem before, and I think that uh, that's something really worth taking into consideration. Thank you for calling through, Bruce. Um, great thoughts right there. Mm. All right, let's get back to our psalm, and let's see what we have to do. You know, and, and just thinking about that, you know, we don't have that record of Paul praising God during those two years, and I'm sure that he did, and I'm sure that you know God spoke to him and that he had some great experiences while he was, you know, imprisoned in two, for that mm. two-year period. But that experience in Philippi is just outstanding in the Bible. Yeah. It just catches our attention, and you can see that this was a point in Paul's life where he was definitely very close to God. Mm. It's probably like one of my favorite passages just to talk about and tell people about. In fact, like, Bruce is like, oh, yeah, I'm not not sure where he was going before he went to it. He was in Asia Minor, they sailed down to Troas, and then that's where he got the vision. Like, I just have that story seared into my brain because it's such a go-to of, man, this is what it looks like to suffer from God, but to see such incredible success come out of it. And up until this point, Christianity was an Asian religion. Mm. Christianity today is seen as a... European religion. And an American religion. A European and American religion. The reason it's seen as being a European American religion is because that messenger came to Paul and said, cross over into Europe. Mm. And so he crossed over into Europe. Mm-hmm. 
imagine if, you know, it's the alternative history where he went east mm-hmm. instead of west. Yeah. He's hanging out in China. Who knows? Who wow. Knows? But anyway, that's the direction that God wanted him to go for a very good reason. Mm. And we can see many of the uh, reasons for that today. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to get back into Psalms 145. Before we do, we have another question for our quiz. Last one for today. What is listed second in the fruits of the Spirit? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. Let me read that one again. What is listed second in the fruits of the Spirit? There's a specific passage that talks about what the fruits of the Spirit are. If you know what it is, you know where it is, you'll know what the second one is. 0491-064-669. You will go into the draw to win our amazing prize for this week, which is our KJV leather-bound Bible Epic, fantastic, awesome Bible, which you can read. You get absolutely for free. It's expensive. It's great. It will help you to be able to share the gospel as well because it's got study helps inside of it. But again, that question was, what is listed second in the fruits of the Spirit? 0491-064-669. Text message coming through. Can you imagine a world without a conscience? In a way, we are actually living in it already. So many people are actually rejecting the promptings of the conscience to have it their way again at the cost of others the power of choice to choose what is right is a gift. Mm. Good text message there. Uh, referring back, of course, to our interview where we talked about the conscience and the will. Very mm. interesting to see how those two work together and how they can both be strengthened or weakened. And we need to have a stronger conscience and a stronger will. And, of course, strength comes through exercise. Mm. All right, where do we get up to in Psalms 145? We got up to talk like about God's three. greatness. Let's get into it. Let's read them. All right, verse Let's four. See if you can list them as, the, as we go. Let's just do them one, one at a time, and then we'll come back and talk about some of them. The Bible says, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I'll meditate on your majesty. Glorious. Wait, 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 wait. That's verse five. Yeah. Oh, one at a time. Okay, I just wanted to read. Ah, one at a we've time. Been, okay. we've, been, we've been taking our time through this. We're only at verse 4. I All thought right. you said we're going to read the whole chapter. All right, let's read the whole chapter then. Oh, let's go. All right, verse 5. I will meditate on your majestic, your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I'll proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank the Lord and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of your glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about your majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule throughout generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. 
When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him, but he destroys the wicked. I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. Okay. Lots of praising. Lots of it right there. Mm. Here's what we uh, here's what we can do as we work our way back through it. The Bible, the Bible. I've listed twenty four here. Uh-huh. Uh, I want I want to know how many our, how many our listeners can list, mm-hmm. and maybe if you've got a different translation, you might have more or less. I don't know. I think it will still be the same. Mm-hmm. It should still be the same. Mm-hmm. But if we go back to verse three, uh-huh. and let's just start from there. And in verse three, the Bible speaks about God's greatness. Okay. Then in verse four, um, it talks about God's might. Mm-hmm. And then in verse 5, you've got majesty and works. Verse mm-hmm. 6, you've got terrible acts and uh, more greatness. Mm-hmm. Mine says terrible acts. Mine says awe-inspiring deeds. Yes. That's the modern English version. Yeah, that's right. This is, this is one of those places where the old English version will let you down rather badly. Uh-huh. Because terrible is only ever in the negative today, whereas it used to be either negative or positive mm-hmm. back in the day, depending mm-hmm. on context. Mm-hmm. Uh, then in verse 7, we've got goodness and righteousness. In verse 8, we've got graciousness and compassion and patience and mercy. Four of them in verse 8 right there. Verse 9, uh, you've got God's goodness and mercy and his works again. Um, then uh, in verse 11, you've got his glory and power. Then in verse 12, you've got mighty acts or his might and his kingdom. So his, his kingship, his rulership. Then in verse 13, you've got his kingdom and dominion uh, that endures through all the generations. Then in verse 14, as we continue on down through, the Lord upholds. He is an upholder and a raiser up of those that are bowed down. So somebody who lifts up those who are feeling depressed and anxious. Mm. Verse 15, the eyes of all that wait upon you and you give them their meat. He's their provider. Mm. Uh, then in verse 16, uh, he's the satisfier. Um, of every living thing. In verse 17, you've got his righteousness and his holiness. In verse 18, and I'm listing more than 24 here, and that's because there's a bunch of these that are repeated over and over again. The Bible says the Lord is near to those that call upon him in truth. So first of all, we can mention that he is a God of truth, but the second thing is he is near. Mm. He's a personal God. Uh, then uh, you've, he's the fulfiller in verse 19. He fulfills our desires and a saviour also in verse 19. Uh, he's a preserver in verse 20 and a judge. All the wicked he will destroy. And then the Bible simply finishes off by my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever. So there's a long list of reasons. If you're ever, if you're ever kind of drawing that brain fog, mind blank, I want to really praise God today and nothing's coming to mind. Mm. Psalms 145 is your go-to place. It's going to give mm. you a very long list there of things that you can praise God for. Yeah, that's fantastic. It is. Mm. Okay, so let's um, – we, we, Lawson and I during the break were actually thinking about this time when – you know, the very famous time when Paul and Silas were praising God after they'd been beaten up. Mm. 
and the circumstances that led up to that. And Lawson brought out a point that I actually hadn't seen the gravity of before. And we've got the story of Paul's vision where somebody, a Macedonian man comes to him and says, come over to Macedonia. Mm-hmm. And he goes, to, he goes to Macedonia. Yeah. In a dream, by the In way. a dream. And, and Bruce highlighted this as well when he was talking about how that Paul was at a point where he had messed up with John Mark mm. and he was feeling humble and he was prepared to do whatever God asked. Yeah. Well, to the point where they travel all through Asia Minor and they don't preach because it says the Holy Spirit forbade them. Ah, that's, that, that's right. And that, they, are, they are just heading for Europe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we often think about that dream as like, yeah, that's a fairly kind of minor dream. You know, that's not a that's not a a big one as far as Bible prophecies go. Mm-hmm. We think, yeah, Daniel two is a big one that spans two and a half thousand years of mm-hmm. history. It gives you know incredible detail. Um, it, it's probably one of the one prophecy that has caused more people to become Christians than any other prophecy mm-hmm. in the Bible because it verifies the accuracy of the Bible so mm-hmm. powerfully. But Lawson pointed out the fact that Daniel 2, the fulfilment of Daniel 2, hangs on the fulfilment of Paul's prophecy. Yeah, that's right. Because Daniel 2, you've got that movement from Asia to Europe. That's right. And that's a theme right throughout the book of Daniel and then right throughout the book of Revelation. It's like in the end, Christianity becomes a European religion and the powers at play, particularly at the end times, are coming from the West. Yes. So your whole Revelation 13 where you've got the West and you've got the United States and you've got so mm. much so much hangs on Paul going to Europe. Literally getting on that boat. Daniel and over. Revelation. Daniel and Revelation, the fulfillment of those prophecies, hangs on Paul going to Europe. Yeah, seeing that wow. dream and going, oh, hey, i got to go to Philippi now, jumping yes. over to Macedonia. And getting beaten up when he got there. <laughs> That's incredible. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Mm. It's The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. You're with the WL team, Lyle and Lawson. We're going to have answers for the quiz right now. So if you were wondering what some of those answers were, now's the time to find out. Lawson's going to tell you all about it. In the book of Daniel, the ram with two horns represented which kingdom? It was Medo-Persia. In Mark 10.34, four things were foretold that the chief priests and the scribes would do to Jesus before they condemned him to death. They were That they would mock him, they would scourge him, they would spit on him, and then they would kill him. So however many of those you got correct, you could potentially have four extra entries there for our draw. In which city were the disciples first called Christians? That was Antioch. The first book out of those books that were named was was First Samuel. And finally, what is listed the second fruit of the Spirit? It is joy. Okay. So if you got those correct, congratulations. You got, you know, a bunch of entries into the quiz. But right now it is time for... Question of the day. All right. Elizabeth asks for question of the day. What happened to the evil spirits that went into the pigs that drowned? According to Mark chapter 5 and verse 2. The Bible doesn't say. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's the answer. The Bible does not say what happened to those spirits. Okay. But the question is, all right, what's going on here in this particular story? And there are a lot of lessons that we can draw out from it. First of all, why did the evil spirits ask to go into the pigs? 
You know, does 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 an evil spirit have to have a body in which to live? The answer is no. That we are surrounded by evil spirits all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Could the could the evil spirits not stay in that particular region of Judea or, or not or Decapolis, I should say, uh, without having something to inhabit? And once again, the answer is no. Evil spirits are not controlled by having to be in the body of a person or an animal. They are not bound to a particular region by having uh, the opportunity to be a part of something. Okay, so what's going on here? These evil spirits have been creating havoc. They have possessed two men. And they have been creating an absolute disaster for these two men and through these two men throughout this whole region. However, when Jesus comes to this particular location and he comes here specifically to meet these two men, he crosses the Sea of Galilee just so that he can meet with these two men and throw these demons out. The Bible says that he throws their demons out. They are fully restored and the whole region is marveling because they are there in their right mind. And so it has a powerful effect on the region. These men go on to become missionaries that spread the gospel of Jesus throughout the whole region. Jesus doesn't need to stay there. It's the only time he goes there. He just goes there, converts two guys, moves on. It's all he needs to do because they are just not going to stop telling their story. Mm. But then you've got these demons and they're asked to go into the pigs. Well, why would they ask to go into the pigs? Well, you think about it. The Bible says there are about 2,000 pigs in this particular herd. And the the pigs were something that Jews were told not to keep and not to eat. So why are they there? Why have they got those pigs? What are they doing with those pigs? This is a whole dodgy situation. And it's almost like you can see the demons there in this situation. It's like, okay, we can't inhabit any of these other people around here because of the presence of the grace of God. But we want to create, continue creating havoc through a body well, let's ask Jesus if we can go into these pigs. It would make sense for Jesus to say yes because these are unclean animals. And that way we get to continue creating havoc through bodies. Imagine what you could do with 2,000 demon-possessed pigs. Now, I've hunted pigs. I know what pigs can do. I know how powerful and strong they can be. I've seen the size of their tusks. You get 2,000 of those, and so these demons are probably thinking to themselves, maybe Jesus will say yes to this, we will go into these pigs and we can continue to make havoc in this particular region, and Jesus will probably say, this is a reasonable request for us to ask Jesus, because uh, in this particular situation, uh, these pigs are unclean. So it's a reasonable request. You're like, yeah, why not? Let us go in these pigs over here. And so Jesus says, yes, go into the pigs. And then all the pigs run down into the sea and die. And so what Jesus is demonstrating is that, first of all, I have total control over you as demons because you have to ask me whether you want to go there, mm. all right? I can grant that request. And so Jesus demonstrates his power by granting the request. Someone who grants the request can also withhold that request. Mm. The power is with Jesus. When they go into the pigs, they think, let's create havoc. What do they do? They all end up dead in the ocean. All those pigs are now dead. And Mm. so those demons would have continued to move on, and rather than working through bodies because this region has come under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they're going to move on and try and create havoc in people's minds through the, I guess, traditional method, um, which was not what they wanted. It is the end of the breakfast show. We're about to move on to Tassie Encounters. We've got... Jason Cook and... Uh, and the crew. And the crew. I'm just trying to think of the girl's name down there. Tabitha. Tabitha. Come on, Lyle. Jason and Tabitha team down there mm-hmm. in Tasmania. Don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ.
God uphold you with the sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.